My first advice is to learn your market really well. What's going on in your city? Where are the investors buying? Are there new interstates, new schools? What kind of transition? Transition is good for us as investors. It creates opportunity. This is The Real Estate Pod. I'm Ed Barone, co-founder of RentReady, the platform that makes renting easy for landlords and tenants. With this podcast, we aim to help landlords learn, scale, and invest. We also want to help you tackle the business side of real estate investing because being an investor or getting your first investment requires you to be an entrepreneur. It's about mindset and strategy. Stacey Rossetti is hosting the show today as part of a series that focuses on conversations with the women who are crushing it in real estate. Stacey herself is a real estate investing expert and coach out in Peachtree, Georgia, who specializes in real estate investing, rehabbing, and storage units. Let's get started. This is Stacey Rossetti, and I'm back with another totally amazing uh, woman real estate investor, and I want her to introduce herself to you, and then we will get into how awesome she is and all the different things that she's doing. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Alice. Hi, guys. My name is Alice Zinn, and I am out here in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been in real estate since 2005. The market was kind of like it is today, and uh, I got in real estate because I went all the way through college and still didn't know what I wanted to be, and so when I graduated, I thought, I still don't want to sit in an office. Let's try real estate, and it went from being a hobby to really fulfilling my life dream of having the freedom to you know, work hard and get paid for the work and the solutions we provide, so... So you were a realtor for uh, for a while, and then you became an, a, an investor. Um, can you tell me, like, what uh, what made you decide to change from a realtor to an investor? Well, when I <clears throat> I was twenty five in two thousand five, so. Um, When I got in real estate, my friends weren't really buying houses yet, and I honestly had no clue. And so, um, as in life, you typically go to somebody else that knows more and ask them, hey, can you help me? Can I work your leads? And the agents in the office all gave me their leads. Well, they were all $40,000, $50,000 buyers that they didn't want to work in that price range. And I realized very quickly that these were investors And if I could get good at finding the deals, calculating the repairs, packaging it up and making it easy for them to say yes or no, that I could sell them a lot of houses. So while the other agents were wanting the high dollar, you know, buyers and sellers, I thought I can double dip. They're going to buy, they're going to rehab, they're going to sell with me. And I worked really hard one-on-one with those investors going to the sites and calculating repairs and where are we different and learned all of that. And Loved it because I didn't have to take time away in the evening. I had a a one or two year old baby at the time. I didn't have to leave at night. I could go on my schedule, look at their houses, package it up, send it to them. And it wasn't like, hey, come show me houses, drive me to look at these 10 houses. I knew very quickly um, what they were looking for, how to make the numbers work. And so I did that for probably three years until 2008. And in 2008, I ended up with a short sale listing and the bank was trying to take the property from them the week before Christmas. And my investors didn't want the house. It was kind of in a rougher area. And she came to me crying and she said, the bank said, all we need is an offer. Just any offer on the table will delay the foreclosure. You don't have any buyer. And I said, I don't I've given it to everybody I know. And she said, how come you can't write the offer? 
And so I was like, okay. And so I wrote the offer, the bank took it and extend, gave her another month. So they weren't kicked out the week before Christmas. And I was able to uh, double close on that and make about $7,500, which for me at the time was a lot. So that was really kind of the kick in the booty that I needed to get that first deal done as an investor. And from there, you know, it just went, went on more and more deals. We kind of, and that was back in the time too, when there were a lot of short sales. Right. That was 2008. It was a mess. They couldn't get the paperwork right. Yes. Yes. I remember that. So, um, okay. So tell me a lot of people ask me, you know, should I become a realtor if I want to be an investor? What do you think about that? I like the idea of, of, your partner being the realtor, um, honestly, or somebody that's close knit that you can work with. You can be an agent. I, it's extra disclosures, extra paperwork. I still do all the realtor forms when I lead based paint property disclosures, because I want to protect my real estate license. I think ideally that it works best if it's your partner or your spouse um, that has their license. And then you can work the lead as the, um, you know, wholesale deal or fix and flip. And if the numbers don't quite work, you refer them to your partner or spouse and catch a little of that marketing money back, you know, from that um, referral to that person. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. Do you like what, what kind of projects are y'all are you working on now? What kind of like deals do you work on now? Right well, now, the, the one thing that I probably say <clears throat> I would regret the most from my career in real estate is that I never picked up any rental property. I heard what I was being taught by my mentors and coaches, but I couldn't see $300 a month cash flow versus let's flip it real quick and get 30 grand. I just was like, I want the 30 grand. I want the 30 grand. And here I am 15 years later, exactly looking back and saying, why didn't you buy a house or two a year? Because they'd be paid off even if it had taken the whole 15 years. So right now I am focused on picking up rental properties. Um, They are outside of the state of Arizona. We do our wholesaling and and, uh, fix and flips here with a partner. But in terms of rental properties, the cash flow is a little better for us in Ohio and Alabama. Oh, so you're doing rental properties outside of Arizona right now. How do you work that? How do you do that? Um, we just uh, get into the Facebook groups and, and network with the other investors and uh, ask them to send us their their you know wholesale deals or the deals that they couldn't figure out. We like to do creative deals, look at the photos. We do get formal inspections since it's something we're planning on holding. And um, I'm actually going to head out to Alabama the first week of January and just try to get feet on the ground and make some new contacts. We need a couple contractors, things like that. So for the most part, I think it can be done remote, but I think it's also good to go and shake hands and look at people eye to eye and make connections. Why don't you just go like uh, right next door to, to New Mexico? I feel like there's there should probably be some good deals there, right? Because I was driving through, I was driving the summer through there, and I was like, man, it's kind of it's it's really beautiful actually there. Yeah, I like New Mexico. What we did when because I'm familiar with a lot of markets. That's one thing I've done is help a lot of people come properties all across the country in all fifty states. Really, mm-hmm. when I looked, I was looking for a landlord friendly states, and so I, and then states that had. Um, 
policies that would help us. And Alabama was really top on our list. There was about five states. New Mexico didn't make it, and I don't remember why. Okay. Uh, I couldn't tell you without going back to that research. It was probably a, a two days worth of these markets are definite no's. These ones were definitely interested in. These are the maybes. We got it to the top 10. I think I feel comfortable in Birmingham. It's a lot like Knoxville. It's close yeah. to Knoxville. Tennessee, where I started, except for in Knoxville, you can no longer buy rental property at 60, you know, $70,000. They're typically up over a hundred thousand dollars. So I, I see that there's more inventory, more opportunity in Birmingham and it's a larger city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah, I'm in Georgia and, um, yeah. So a lot of people are interested in Alabama and I, I do, I look in Alabama as well too. It's so cheap there, but Georgia's <laughs> also, Georgia's, Georgia's getting a little more expensive, but Georgia's also kind of outside of the Atlanta area is kind of the same thing, but yeah, I like Alabama. It's good. Very good. So tell me about, um, tell me about, uh, like from 2000 and I guess 2000, is it 10 to 2000 to now? Like what have you, what were you working on? What kind of deals were you working on? Um, I, of course I would recommend always starting out wholesaling, you know, and that's what I did in 08. That's how you figure out your numbers. And if it's not a good enough deal that another investor wants to take that assignment from you, then it's more than likely not in a good enough deal that you should take it. So I did those couple years of, um, working with investors as an agent, which of course is no risk. And then some wholesaling, which is very little risk. Um, when the market crashed um, in 08, I opened up a short sale negotiation company and I was running short sales for all of the agents in town because I had those connections. They needed the help um, and did that for a couple of years, but it was very time consuming running those short sales. So um, closer to 2011, I ended up getting some formal coaching um, and went more into the fix and flips myself. I realized, hey, I'm selling these $60,000 houses and getting $1,500, $1,800 checks and they're flipping them and I'm seeing the 30 and 40. I knew because I was the agent on the back end and I was like, you can do this. You're putting it all together. You're just being a wimp. Get yourself together. And so we flipped our first property, I believe in 2011 or early 2012 um, and had a cash offer within a week was able to repay most of that investment with the education company and went on to flipping houses. We got up to about two or three at a time. Um, it was a big learning curve for me to manage contractors. It's not something I had experience with. Yeah. Um, and so we swapped the partner roles, what we thought it was going to be often, you know, sw- switches. And she ended up managing contractors while I managed the marketing, finding the deal, um, raising the capital to do the deals type thing and did that for a handful of years um, up until about 2016 when I started working on the education side, uh, helping other other new investors learn from my mistakes and helping them move forward in their journey. So, so what is the, uh, what's the market in Arizona like right now? Oh my gosh, it's mind blowing right now. The inventory, (laughs) we have a month and a half worth of inventory on the market. And as you know, a 12 month inventory is considered a neutral market. A month and a half is ridiculous. Um, I have a real estate license here. You, if you're trying to buy a house, there's going to be 10 to 20 offers on it. They're going to be over full price. You're going to be 
waiving appraisal and this, that, and the other. So it's, it's very, very tight inventory. I can't say I've ever seen anything like it. And part of me is like, yeah, but the other part is super frustrating. If you're trying to buy a house or you've sold your house and you're getting ready to be homeless. So, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine that's how it is in Georgia as well, too. I mean, and it's actually, it's like in Georgia, we have like, uh, we have like these pockets, like the really hot areas are like super hot. And then the not area, hot areas are like not, not hot. I don't know if it's like that over there with y'all, but I see pockets as well. Yeah. There's definitely some zip codes that are hotter. We have a, a few zip codes that the dollar per square foot is high enough that they are building additions to houses um, because it's, it makes sense uh, dollar wise to build the addition, make a bigger house and, and make the money from it. So there's definitely the hot zip codes too, but really everything in this County until you get pretty far out, it's, it's pretty hot. What do you think is going to happen over the next year? Cause I know in Georgia, I mean, we had, I, I just read an article that there's only, we only had 10,000 houses for sale. 10,000. Can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it's just like, it's just, you know, so they're basically saying that, you know, it's still going to be a seller's market for next year, but I wonder like what's going to happen. It's a seller's market. There's not enough housing, right. and of course there's not enough affordable housing. And then on top of that, you have like all the forbearances and yes. evictions and stuff. So what, yeah. what do you think is going to happen? What do you see? That's what I've been talking about that a lot. And I read an article yesterday and it was showing that uh, the percentage of forbearance and uh, eviction properties, which those are supposed to, um, you know, loosen up after the end of the year. So first quarter, I'm sure they're going to have to do something. They can't collapse the economy by putting all of those houses out at one time. So I'm sure that they're going to work through some plan and modify or whatever needs to happen, but I think it will loosen up the market. Um, I think that there are definitely, I feel like interest rates are going to stay low, which means you can, you can buy a lot of house right now (laughs) for a low payment. It blows my mind um, how much house you can buy. And compared to, you can rent a three bedroom house here. I'm sorry, a three bedroom apartment. That's fairly nice, but you could buy a $500,000 house for the same price in this market. And to me, I'm like, what, how did rent get this high? And, and house payments are so low because the interest rates are low right now. So well, don't go out, everybody that's listening, don't go out and buy a $500,000 house if you can't afford it, just so we all know, because that is what's going to create even something worse. <laughs> yes. 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 So you've coached, so you've coached obviously a lot of students over the past uh, years. Um, can you tell me kind of like, do you, do you ever see a theme with like students, newbies? Like what are the things that they, they always need help with? Um, what are the things that you focus on? Kind of give us some inspiration uh, to the, especially to the sure. new, to new, new, new investors listening. Sure. My first advice out of the gate, cause I know what it feels like to be brand new and have no clue um, about the market or what's going on. My first advice is to learn your market really well. What's going on in your city? Where are the investors buying? Are there new interstates, new schools? What kind of transition? Transition is good for us as investors. It creates opportunity. Are there new historic overlays being put in? Like what is going on in your city in terms of, of everything? Um, I love it. Get them to get in, dig in, learn their city. You can go on Zillow and look at recently sold 
and put in keywords like renovated or remodeled and you'll see the side of town that people are rehabbing. You can look at the rental properties on Zillow and see, okay, the rentals are here. Typically, I find opportunity in cities in the in-between areas. It's not the place you probably would want to live yourself and it's not the this is so cheap that it's hard to want to find anyone to buy these properties it's the in-between areas uh, where you can create some value and some of the houses are worn down and some have been fixed up so I think it's about learning your city first of all and then just jumping in Um, I was at a seminar last weekend and he said jump off the cliff and build the airplane on the way down and I really I like I love that because otherwise real estate makes you very analytical. You want to think, Oh, what if, what if this happens? What if that? And I can tell you, even after 15 years, I wouldn't be able to, what if every situation, if I wanted to, that's why we get paid to provide solutions is because we're able to figure it out, but you cannot analyze and think your way through every situation that's going to happen. I would say jump, and have somebody that you can, a partner or accountability or the Facebook group that you have and ask the questions and figure it out as you go. Yep. Yeah. We're like, yeah, or some sort of coach coaching program or a mastermind or something like this. Yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that, I think having, surrounding yourself with people that kind of think like you and are doing deals like you, that's really also really, really important, you know, so you can bounce ideas and then hear what everybody else is doing. Because the truth of the matter is, especially in the real estate investing world, you can easily become an island, right? You can easily just do your own thing. And then, you know, but then you just don't, you, what happens is you don't get, you don't get the, uh, you know, the experience that everybody else does. And, and every single deal that you ever do in real estate, investing, <laughs> my personal opinion is completely different. There is never one deal that is exactly the same ever, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you get that. See, I, I was thinking about starting, I was actually thinking about starting an, uh, another podcast, maybe later. It was called, it's going to be called every house is a lesson learned. Yeah. Right. It's so yes. true. Right. I mean, every single house is a, le- every property that you buy is a lesson learned and you can never ever, you're never going to be perfect on any property. So you just, like you said, you got to jump in and just do it. Yeah. And then, you know, and uh, you know, and just, and, and everything in the end always works out. It does. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, so good to talk to you and meet you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And are you are you going to speak at the uh, the summit for me? I would love to. Okay. Good. All right. Everybody will. You guys will be hearing all about that. I promise. Later. Yay. Okay. Good. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. And um, if if anybody wants to find you, they can just search you on Facebook or how. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. It's under Alice Zen, Z-E-N Adams. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right, take care. Thanks for listening. We're so grateful to be able to learn from these active investors, entrepreneurs, and all around amazing individuals who want to share their success with you. The real estate investing community really is a unique community to be a part of. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can rate or review the podcast in whatever podcast app you're listening to. It would mean a great deal to us to learn what you like, what you don't like, and even questions we can answer on your behalf. You can also subscribe to The Real Estate Pod on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.